0: What is up, plant people? It is Tuesday, April 28th, and I hope everyone is hanging in there and doing well. This is Vikram Baliga, back for another episode of the Anthropology Podcast, the show that's all about people, plants, and the way that we relate back to our natural world a lot to cover in this intro, so I'm going to jump right into it and do it fast. Um, I thought I would start off with a review, this time from Podchaser. So if you're not on Podchaser, go check out podchaser.com. It's a great way to find new podcasts find information about hosts guests appearances all of that it's like the imdb of podcasts and it's great so this review is from sean allen and it says i'm a biologist and i'll be honest i've always found a plant bio to be boring look i get it plants are super important and they can be pretty and stuff blah blah but i've had to ta plant bio labs and all that stuff and boy was i not into it so starting off real well sean Plant anthropology is awesome. Thanks, appreciate it. First of all, it does an excellent job of relating the science and practical reality of plants to human lives and the world around us. It features interviews with great scientists and plant world acti- activists that are fantastic at communicating science, policy, and everyday useful tips about plants. And it isn't all just directly about plants. Topics cover plant adjacent stuff too, like aquifers, water management, scientific engagement bugs etc Sean man I appreciate it now Sean is one of the hosts of the Petri dish podcast which is one of my favorites it is an irreverent and comedic look at science uh, but they really dive into the science so everything from viruses to skin and dogs and whatever else is out there in science world uh, Sean and Nathan dive into and it's hilarious now this podcast is definitely not safe for work um, but it's funny you'll learn a lot and you'll laugh a lot so go check out um, Petri dish, and I think you'll really enjoy it. Uh, The next thing I want to talk about is, y'all, we got our first sponsor. Now, I uh, have debated on and off over, uh, over time whether or not to take sponsors, but you know what? This is a local organization, a local company, and they do so much for our community that I thought it would be great to have them Um, on board and part of the show and to to be able to tell you a little bit about them. So our first sponsor is uh, a business called Pecan Ridge, and they um, are a pecan business. But there's so much more than that. They sell products from gift baskets to coffee to jam and everything and anything in between. So if you're looking for a local glass or jar of jam or a bag of coffee or you just need your pecan shelled or you want some great pecan pie go check out pecan ridge um they right now are doing a special deal with us for 10% off anything ordered through their website um just use the promo code plant people at checkout and you'll get 10% off they'll ship it right to your door and uh great gifts and um just a great way to support a wonderful local business right now so again go check out pecan ridge and uh Use the promo code plant people now, as always, anything we generate through sponsorships or through Patreon goes right back into the podcast and everything left over that is not uh, directly used for the show uh, is put into horticulture education, either through uh, the gardens here at Texas Tech or through other organizations that we also help to support. So everything goes back into plant Education and through June, anything we get and will go to the South Plains Food Bank to try to um, just support folks through this tough time. So on to today's episode. Um, I recorded this one a long time ago, like before Christmas, with my friend and advisor and mentor, uh, Dr. Joey Young. Joey is an Associate Professor of Turfgrass Science here in the Department of Plant and Soil Science at Texas Tech University, and has really been just such a wonderful friend and mentor and advisor and just uh, all-around supporter through this PhD process. He's uh, been great to work with, and I really just appreciate uh, having Joey as um, an advisor and as a friend. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. Let's jump right in and uh, let me know what you think. Here we go with episode 14 of the Planthropology podcast. Uh, Hello, hello. How come I'm not getting... Mm -hmm. Oh, there it is. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't getting any peaks on there, but the it snap. it showed up. Yeah, the yes, there it is. <laughs> there it is. This is this is yeah, there okay, we're good. So uh we are up and running. Um so Joey, how are you today?
1: I'm doing good. How are you, Vicar?
0: I'm good. I'm enjoying it being kind of quiet around here. Yeah, it's
1: very nice when it's quieter on campus.
0: It is. So uh, for those of you listening, I don't I'm not exactly sure when this is coming out, but um, it is the week before Christmas and all the students have gone home. Probably half of the faculty's gone. I don't know. Uh, and it's it's kind of a ghost town around here.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: <laughs> Do you find that you're more productive or less productive when there's no one around?
1: Typically, I would say less, but it seems like this week I've been a little <laughs> bit more productive. So that's been good.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It goes back and forth for me. So like, I've actually gotten a lot done this week, but normally my mind wanders when I'm when there's nothing going on.
1: Yeah, that's true. But it seems I guess I've been a little bit more focused on some a couple of specific tasks. So maybe that helped rather than a 100 different things coming at me at one time trying to figure out which one to
0: do. Which I think is maybe just the life of the academic. I don't know. Yeah, sure. I don't know. Uh, So, Joey, introduce yourself a little more. Tell us about your uh, position in the department, what you do, what you teach, all that.
1: Yeah, so my name is Joey Young, and I am an assistant professor in the Department of Plant and Soil Science here at Texas Tech. And I basically do research and teach anything and everything related to turf grass management.
0: Hey, just wanted to pop in real quick and say that since we recorded this episode sometime in the late Paleozoic era, it was actually confirmed that uh, Joey has earned tenure. So he is actually now an associate professor of turf grass science here at Texas Tech. So uh, if you're listening to this, go ahead and drop him some congratulations for that. It's a huge accomplishment. OK, bye now. All
1: right, so that could include golf courses Athletic fields or residential commercial landscapes uh, that contain natural turf grasses.
0: Okay, so when you say natural turf grasses, define that.
1: Real grass, real like grass, living breathing grass.
0: Something that's not plastic.
1: Exactly right. Yes. Okay. That's I don't know much about the plastic grasses, but uh, definitely a big part of what we do as an industry because they definitely have their place, whether it's commercial landscapes with mm-hmm. lots of shade and, uh, somebody who doesn't want to care for quite as much as frequently, then there's a place <laughs> there. And also with athletic fields, there's definitely a place for it in athletic fields. Uh, there's lots of discussion within our industry as to where and how much and what kind of concerns there may be, uh, related to those things, but it's just not something I have a lot of experience doing. And so all the work that I've done and the education that I do really revolves those natural turf grasses that are living and breathing. Okay.
0: Well, yeah. And I, and I agree with you. I think that, well, and not just from the work, but I, I prefer, you know, I'm a plant guy. I prefer things that are exactly right. alive. You know, I, I did a video this past, say yesterday, maybe yesterday. My days just run together this week about like real versus, um, Fake Christmas trees because oh, it's cool. Christmas season. Oh, nice. And, uh, I, you know, I may be a purist, but I like fresh yeah. cut or yeah. even live trees. Yeah. Which yeah, I actually, uh, it's still sitting in the classroom. I probably need to take it outside. Oh. Yeah. So I definitely forgot about that tree. It's very dead and it's still in there. So cool. But um, so, yeah, there, I guess there are definitely some benefits to an artificial turf in, in some settings.
1: Sure. Exactly. Without question
0: but I don't know. It's, it's, it's not a thing that like I have much experience with either, but you know, um, so you teach, uh, so I'm trying to think of the classes I've taken from you, maybe just the turf grass ecology. Mm -hmm. Um, what else do you, what other classes do you have
1: an introduction to turf grass management, which is the most basic class undergraduate only. And that class is really focuses around identification of turf grasses, how to effectively establish turf grasses, Management and then we introduce uh, different pests of turf grass. Okay, this is a very general general approach to everything related to turf grass and Just an overview management. of the... management. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and then the class that you were talking about, the physiology and ecology class, mm-hmm. we recently changed the name of that class, so it's now called landscape water conservation and ecology. And so the class is still similar in that it covers things like physiology, ecology, and then we talk about water management. So it's broken into three different parts, but now we just try to be a little bit more encompassing of a landscape. So we talk about ornamental plants and their physiological makeup as well as ecology and water management for the whole entire landscape.
0: Okay. Not just the turf. Exactly. Right. Okay.
1: So we just wanted to broaden the topic a little bit to make it more encompassing, try to encourage more students to enroll in the class just in- increase enrollment overall.
0: Yeah. No, that's, a, and that's a good goal. I know that's a major goal for our department, probably across the university. Is How do mm-hmm. we get more students and you know, all of our different courses. So I want to come back to the water conservation issue a little bit, but um, first I want to talk about how did you get into plants? Cause that's, you know, that's a question I ask everyone. And while we were talking about doing this, you mentioned that your path in was maybe a little different.
1: Yeah, definitely. So I, have enjoyed listening to these podcasts uh, as they've been coming out incrementally here. And right. It seems like everybody says, Oh, well, I enjoyed planting things with my grandparents or <laughs> growing gardens with my family and whatnot. Yeah. And I, I would say that I probably despised being <laughs> in the yard. <laughs> I, I never, I never mowed the yard. I never, never really did anything with plants, but the reason that I'm, sitting here is because i really love sports Hmm. sports were a huge part of my life when i was growing up so i was fairly athletic (laughs) i had some athletic capability um from i guess my parents i guess my dad mostly and his family okay um so i was played baseball and basketball and soccer growing up and then we moved around a decent amount and then we moved to Birmingham, Alabama, whenever I was in the seventh grade, so it was kind of that awkward time to move probably <laughs> yeah, when you're probably. early teenage years. And, you know, I really kind of stopped playing other sports at that time. And I never played any other sports, but I really started to focus on golf. And oh, okay. I, I became pretty good at golf to the point where that's kind of where I Pushed all my passion to, more or less. Okay. So I know like growing up in high school, everybody knew that I loved golf and I'm sure everybody knew at the time that I was in high school that I would do something related to <laughs> golf and, and I get, I'm blessed to be able to do that. I've stayed in school long enough at this point to where I get a chance to, uh, be on golf courses in, in different aspects. Um, sure. I don't get a chance to play a whole lot anymore cause time is pretty busy and there's not enough time, I guess, to no. do everything that I want to do. But, uh, so, so my path to this was really, uh, a passion for sports more so than a passion for plants. So, okay. It kind of evolved into a passion for plants well, yeah. As time has gone by here, and-
0: well, no, and that's and that's really an interesting an interesting comment because you're right. Everyone, it was funny because like every, I asked that question, and pretty much everyone said and it was the weirdest thing because they would say it in the same way, <laughs> yeah, exactly, and they said the yeah. same thing. <laughs> and you know, and it's, even even two or three of the episodes that have not come out yet, I'm like, okay, this <laughs> so is just what everybody does. <laughs> but uh, no, I, but I kind of like that that it's. Um, there's a lot of ways to get in. I think I think our field is diverse enough that whatever you like, you know, there there's maybe some way to tie in a lot of what we do. Yeah, of course. Whether it's sports or or uh, you know, architecture, design, mm-hmm. business, you know, there's there's a lot of facets to plant science or uh horticulture or yeah. turf or whatever we want right. to call it. Exactly. All right. those things. Um, so how long have you been here at Texas Tech?
1: See, I have been here for seven years now.
0: Okay. Does it go fast. Has it gone it has fast?
1: Gone by really fast. <laughs> yeah, uh, fast in a lot of ways, and slow in some ways. I'm sure, but yeah, it does. Looking back on it, it seems like it wasn't that long ago that I was getting started here.
0: Yeah. Well, so I think I'm trying to think. I think I met you the first time um, when a, a former grad student Leslie. Beck was moving and i guess you had just started oh, okay. or you were just starting cool. and i think we, we met for like five minutes okay because for, <laughs> somehow you were a new faculty member and you got <laughs> roped into helping her move after she graduated yeah I think. She,
1: well yeah she she had after she graduated she stayed around for a little bit longer yeah. there was a a lag between me starting and the previous person dr okay. henry leaving okay and that lag meant that there wasn't anybody to teach turf related classes and so, although now Dr. Beck has h- had graduated at the time, uh, she stayed around in order to teach that introduction to okay. turf class because okay. I was still trying to finish my PhD <laughs> and oh, I got finish you. my research at Arkansas. So I couldn't start here until January. And they okay. needed somebody that fall to teach the class. And so she's kind of stepped up and and took on that responsibility and stayed a little bit longer as she was kind of pursuing other opportunities and trying to determine where she wanted to go from here.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now, Dr. Beck now is a a turf specialist in New Mexico, New Mexico. Yeah, that's correct. New Mexico state extension. So yeah, seven years. It's crazy. I just finished my master's. And, um, so more recently, like, uh, for, for those of y'all out there, Joey and I, um, worked together a little bit before I started my PhD Mm -hmm. and and he's my advisor right now. But, um, I guess when I was extension, we started doing this turf grass field day. Yep. Was that a was that a thing that you started here or had that already been going on?
1: No, it had been going on. Okay. Uh Dr. Henry uh definitely had field days before um whenever he was here. And it was something that I probably saw in a, in a little bit more as as a production whenever I was at the University of Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And uh we had Dr. Patton was at Arkansas whenever I first got to Arkansas and He's probably a renowned turf extension specialist, just an incredibly hard worker, does an amazing job with mm-hmm. all the things that he does. And so seeing the way that that was run and the production that it was, uh kind of made me want to do something similar. It's much smaller scale than what he did, <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh it was something that you know, I I thought was really important in a way for us to Get the message out about different things that we do from a research standpoint and provide a service to the community mm-hmm. in order to help them understand a little bit better about how to manage yards, how to manage their grass within their yard. And maybe have create an outlet where they could ask questions and get questions answered about specific problems they were dealing with.
0: Okay. Well, and that's a big service. I mean, I think, you know, we have we have our extension service here and they do a lot of work in that. And I, you know, I know that pretty well. Um, but one thing I wanted to talk to you about is, is you have done a lot of, and I think maybe more than a lot of faculty do, um, you've done a lot of public outreach and a lot of public programming and, you know, radio, from radio programs to uh, this field day and other classes, you teach things for the Master Gardeners, you do all kinds of stuff. So um, how does that, do you feel... Uh, I'm trying to figure out how to ask this question. Well, um, you know, something I talked to to Dr. Ritchie, our department head, about was the importance of public outreach from a university perspective, and how um, you know that's something he talks about or has talked about quite a bit. Is is how do we do more of that? So, what are, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that public outreach is is a big thing we should be doing as as faculty as a as an academic institution?
1: Yeah. So, I, mean, so I, I I do think it's important and uh each of us have different strengths and each of us do different things. I mean our, our department is unique because of the diversity of our department. Mm-hmm. And we have a lot of we have a lot of people who are individuals that specialize in an area. Whereas most universities that I've been to in the past are land grant universities yeah. where there's a group of people that focus on a given area weeds insects diseases turf yeah you you name the crop and, and you'll have you know three to five people maybe that work in that area yeah at huh. a minimum and and so because of the fact that we're all individuals within our department. I think it makes it a little bit more challenging Hmm. to do all of those things um, service-wise, engagement-wise. And I think it's maybe a new priority for the university that this is something that they may be deemed to be important, but I think it's also difficult as a faculty member to really balance the time that we're putting into the service and engagement with constituents like homeowners or the master gardeners or whatnot, because there's not a lot of productivity that comes from that and outputs that are important for the university as well. So I think it's really important for, for someone like myself to really look at opportunities and to make sure that I effectively balance my time to make sure that yes, I am effective and I can do service related events and yeah. try to use the outreach platform, but also not take away from the fact that it's really important that we're doing sound research and uh, applying, make writing proposals mm-hmm. and writing manuscripts and the other things that are required for us as well.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's, and that's really a great take on that because, you know, and I hadn't really thought of it in those terms that, you know, working for extension or uh, working for AM. I just, I, I did take for granted a little bit that like every department had a bunch of people, like it's a huge institution, all these things, but you're right here at tech. It's like, or at probably all, most universities, uh, I don't know about most, I don't have much experience outside, but yeah, it's like you do your thing and you're the one that does that thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and making sure you're doing that part of your job too is, is yeah, definitely super important. Um, no, that's, a, that's an interesting take on that. And I think that's good advice probably for all of us that, you know, I, I, you, you know, this as I still have not graduated. Um, I'm not great at, uh, budgeting my time, right. I, I tend to overcommit myself and I think that's easy to do when you're excited about what you're doing, but, uh, it is probably important to make sure that you're prioritizing and, and all of that. So, you know, and I'm just thinking of of the people listening of, um, students and young mm-hmm. professionals and young, maybe young faculty that mm-hmm. are just getting going and there's
1: yeah opportunities abound right Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, no, that's, that's, that's really good to think about, I think. um So let's talk a little bit about conservation, which I think is where a lot of your research kind of lives, right. Is in mm-hmm. water conservation and better management of turf grass. Like how did, how did that become a thing you were interested in doing? Cause you're, you're from, you know, Mississippi, right? Yeah. And I don't, is water conservation (laughs) a thing there? I'm sure it probably is. Yes. Okay. (laughs) It wasn't a
1: high priority for me by any means. Um, I think it was very clear and obvious when I was just interviewing for the position to come here, that if you come here, you're going to focus on water. (laughs) So it's, it's kind of built into the location more than anything else. And especially when we start thinking about Natural turf grasses—it's something where you know it's it's not hard to see wasted water. Sure, um, we we consistently see water in streets, <laughs> and we see. I uh, like right now, you said it's the—it's we're getting close to the end of December as we're recording this, and uh, you know we may see icy yards. Oh yeah, and and so there are. That's that all those things. Those are just two examples, but those are examples of things that are concerning. And just the fact that I think a lot of times uh, homeowners probably have a little bit less education than others that are maybe managing plants that, you know, have a larger uh, background knowledge mm-hmm. about the real needs for plants. If you kind of lack that educational knowledge, then I think that's a place where we can kind of like help to provide some assistance in trying to make sure that we're doing managing water more effectively. And then I think in addition to that, maybe just uh, managing our landscapes. And in my case, specifically the turf grass within the landscape in a sustainable manner.
0: You mentioned that coming here, that water is a thing that you're Going to do. If you've never been to Lubbock and you're listening to this, it's very flat and it's very dry. And those are the things <laughs> yeah, about the it. The wind blows a lot. That, yes, the and wind the blows a lot. is
1: really intense. The humidity is really <laughs> low. It's like everything that makes an area dry. We have we have those yeah, things. We have it.
0: If it so. if it's going to make it hard to grow plants, we've yeah. got that locked down. <laughs> um, so was that was that an interesting? What was that it, on a personal level? What was that transition like? Moving from like the southeast. To up here on the high plains, and you know we don't have trees, not really.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I never really felt like it was a huge ordeal. um We moved around a decent amount when I was a kid. And I don't know if that helps the the aspect okay. of like moving to a new place. Granted, we moved from Mississippi to Louisiana to Alabama, so it wasn't <laughs> like we really ventured far out of the southeastern part of the United States, but. Even going to Arkansas for being there for three and a half or four years was a different environment and a different climate to some degree, not as much as Lubbock, but I think the opportunity to move around a little bit and, you know, furthering my education as I moved around and learning from different people, I think really made it more open and you know, I think probably I had the I've had the opportunity to interview a few different times for faculty positions. Okay. And it's it's an incredibly stressful, so exhausting two day <laughs> period of getting asked questions and whatnot. But one thing I thought that was unique about coming here to interview compared to other places that I have have or had been to interview mm-hmm. was that it was so new that I took a whole lot more time to really do my homework and to okay really understand and think about what this area was like and how my strengths could be used to, you know, get me this position in the first place. Yeah. And then I feel like I've been relatively successful at trying to take the ideas maybe that I put into place and, um, trying to incorporate them into my research and, you know, working on getting funding from different associations and, organizations and agencies to help promote our program have graduate students and you know continue to do the things that we've been doing over the last seven years
0: okay well yeah that's uh again I just lost my train of thought I'm struggling with this today um oh what I was gonna say yeah so I I have done the the interview thing once and that's exhausting.
1: That's, yeah, it's, it's pretty
0: tiring. So I guess I guess uh, I was worn out, and and I so I think yeah, going in going in prepared is probably. If you're out there and you're about to interview for your first faculty yeah. or you do your first faculty interview, like I don't do know if you're, you are do your homework and if you're a coffee drinker, load up. <laughs> <laughs> like it's a long couple of days. Um. But, I, you know, I think that uh, what I have loved about this department, you know, I grew up here in Lubbock and I went to A&M and, and I, I came back. I, one thing I love about this department is everyone just seems like generally very nice to work with. Um, you know, I think that we've got a good a good group of people. And even though we do all kind of do our own thing because of the nature of it, like it's a it's a great place to work and it's a great place. Uh, having been at least a little bit on both sides of the podium, so to speak here. Like I enjoyed it as a student and I very much enjoyed it as an instructor and as a greenhouse, whatever guy. So uh, I guess the the next thing I wanted to, and this is kind of a a tangent, maybe a little bit, but something that I'm not sure that people that have not been in academia or in this kind of world have realized either as a grad student or as uh, an employee instructor whatever, is that there's this whole big world of Academic professional organizations like uh, like the Crop Science Association, the turf grass. So we just both spoke at the Texas Turf Grass Association meeting. And mm-hmm. you're very involved with a lot of these things. Like, how does it, I'm, I don't I'm trying to figure out how to, to phrase my question, too. But as, um, as as someone like yourself that has been very involved, that has worked with these groups and what would a graduate student or a young faculty member going to some of these meetings and trying to get into this world? what What do we need to remember? What things should we be doing when we go to meetings or how should how should we get ourselves plugged in?
1: So I would say that the type of organization is probably a really important first characteristic. So you mentioned the Texas Turf Grass Association, and that's something that, I've been involved with since I came here. Uh, mm-hmm. actually, <laughs> like right. when I knew I was going to come here, I actually went to the first meeting, I think it was in 2012, that I went to. And that was once I found out I was hired, but it hadn't really started here mm-hmm. because I knew it was going to be an important place to visit with, again, those stakeholders, constituents that are more of the end user type. So, okay. That association if you've not ever heard of the texas turf grass association <laughs> then it's uh it's basically covers the state of texas and it 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 includes people that manage golf courses athletic fields commercial and residential landscapes sod growers pretty much anybody that's relate in, in the field of again natural turf grass or athletic fields i mean that they're involved with that group and so when i go to a meeting like that i'm able to interact with those stakeholders that are going to be important to talk to and understand challenges that they are facing because then that in turn drives where our research needs to focus, okay. especially for myself because i I feel like I am an incredibly applied research kind of person. Like I enjoy doing something that I know is going to have a direct benefit to an end user, which is going to be a producer or a homeowner or those types of people. Right now, the focus is very different. If I go to a meeting like crop science meeting, so Mm -hmm. the crop science society of America is kind of a tri societies uh, with agronomy, crop science, and soil science. And if I, when, when I go to those meetings, it's very different in the sense that I'm around a lot of scientists. And so Rather than talking to end users in that case, I'm more or less working with collaborators who might be people that you could work with as collaborators mm-hmm. on research proposals, on manuscripts. Uh, you know, It's great to bounce ideas off of others, maybe learn a little bit more about what your colleagues are doing mm. at other universities and institutions in order to either collaborate or maybe get ideas for things that might be new in your area. Now there's a lot of uh, advocacy that goes on there. So I've been involved with a few different committees at the crop science meetings now. And, you know, just kind of, it almost increases busyness it seems like (laughs) more than anything, but I mean, it is a really good opportunity to stay, to stay relevant Mm -hmm. uh, within like in my case I do a lot of things more within my division of crop science which is the turf grass science group so I haven't done a whole lot of things for the broader association really and truthfully uh just recently I did something like a a graduate student competition that was the whole whole society wide kind of thing Mm -hmm. which was different and so and and you know now as I've kind of somewhat advancing in my career, then, then there may be more opportunities to work on a larger society wide kind okay. of thing. So, but I, I do think that, you know, to answer your question more specifically, it depends on what type of meeting you're at and what okay. kind of people you're around, as far as what maybe you would like to get out of that situation.
0: Okay. No. And that, that makes a lot of sense. And like, I just remember as a, especially as a master's student, um, you know, my, my PhD experience has been a little different, but especially as a master's student, like going to these big, like, so I did, um, the horticulture society meeting a couple of years. And that was again, very much an academic meeting. You did, you know, poster presentations, all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. I've done the crop science meeting once, but it's very intimidating as like a 20, 20 something year old grad student who, master student. I didn't, I didn't know anything about anything. Right. (laughs) So like I just started my project. And do you think that, and this is maybe a hard question to answer because everyone's different and all faculties different, but you know, they would always tell me go, go meet people, right. Go meet faculty members, go talk to people from different universities. Like, I don't even know how to ask this question, but like, is Is that a thing that you recommend doing? Do you think like if as if as a faculty member as someone who's involved in these things, if a graduate student just walked up and introduced themselves to you, would that be something that's welcome or is that a little annoying
1: no i mean it's it's always welcome to to meet new people um I think for me i'm not I'm a very introverted kind of person, so I'm not one who's gonna outwardly go up and just introduce myself to other people. Sure. But I do feel like I was blessed at least with my major professors, especially my major professor. When I was getting my master's, Mm -hmm. she was the most diligent at any time that she ever went to anything. She always made sure that we could go as graduate students. And it's not that terribly common, I would say. Sure. But for me, That was an incredible experience because the world of turf is really a very small world. There's not that many people that have now have a PhD, but at the time, you know, I was just getting a master's degree. There are just not that many people total. So now I feel like if I go to that meeting, I pretty well know everyone and everyone pretty well knows me. Not because I really introduce myself, but more or less just (laughs) because you're like involved in the group and the more involved you are, the more people just kind of get to know who you are. So I do think it's really important to get to know as many people as you can within your area of specialization. And then the more people you can meet outside of your area of specialization, that's even better. Sure. Um, But a lot of times, especially if you get more focused educationally, then you're kind of living in a a small world i think right. for the most part yeah and uh, to specifically say that within the turf group i'd say that it's it's a small very small world and and we pretty much all know everybody pretty much everyone
0: <laughs> well and and uh, like i said i'm you know i'm a little bit tangent to some of it I, but i've i've done some work in the in at least in the texas community but i do follow uh, on twitter quite a few quite a few turf grass people so if you just heard a toilet flushing uh my office is right between two bathrooms (laughs) and uh this is this is my life it's part of my life it's fine it's fine um so and what's funny is no one probably heard that out there but I don't care it's still funny to talk about um so I I follow quite a few like turf people on twitter because turf grass twitter for whatever reason seems super active like it's there's a lot of people out there. But it also seems like, like you said, everybody knows everybody. Like the people I see tagging each other, I'm like, oh, I, I kind of know them and I kinda know them. And um so do you think uh and I guess, you know, maybe it's pretty obvious, but is that is that a pretty valuable resource, do you think? Like just connecting with people even on Twitter? Yeah,
1: I, I think it is. And I think that's one of the things I think when I first got here, I thought between like using social media would, would be an avenue to uh-huh. increase awareness of our program, which I thought was something that it's always a struggle, I think, for a turf grass program. Yeah, Most people, have, when I was in undergraduate school and I said, hey, I'm majoring in turf grass or I was like, Wow, I did not know you could do that. What are you planning on doing with your life, whenever you get done with school? So, and and as I continue to progress in education, it was—I mean—it's the exact same response. And now I'm a professor teaching these things. It's the same response. So, uh, I think there's a lack of awareness that there's an opportunity for people mm-hmm. to be educated in this area to, to, you know, really be scientifically educated to manage turf grasses really effectively. So I thought that that was a great opportunity and an avenue to just make sure that people knew that Texas tech has a turf grass program and that we, you know, we're going to be educating people. So it's been good in a lot of different ways, but it also, it didn't result in there being like just, students knocking down the doors to come to Texas Tech and I, it's hard to really judge where and how you know maybe I could be more effective at, at getting undergraduate students here yeah um, but I do feel like it's really helped to build some relevance to the fact again that we have a turf program and, and maybe to some degree it helps with getting funding from turf associations like the golf course superintendents association or the United States golf association have been are very supportive in turf research funding. And so I always try to make sure that, you know, as we're learning some little tidbits about what's going on to make sure that we acknowledge those that have provided funding because without them, we really wouldn't be able to do anything for that matter. Yeah.
0: So. Well, no, then that's, that's true. And it also is a, a, a good source of just academic community too. Like I think Correct. science, so yeah, science, Twitter, strong, academic, Twitter is pretty, pretty mm-hmm. active. So that's, you know, it is a good community. Well, so we've done about 30 something minutes. So we'll start wrapping up a little bit. And you know that, uh, I always ask people for a, a piece of advice or yeah. a tip, whether it's gardening or. Really, whatever I don't care. Um, uh, so, what um, if you were to give either to? Okay, I may ask you two because we've got okay. time. Why not? Right. So, so first, if you were going to give a piece of advice to a student entering this field, what would it be? And then, two, if you had a piece of advice just for a general, just the general public, what would that be?
1: Okay, so for the students' advice, are we talking about someone coming in to? turf grass or are we talking about somebody who's coming into like an academic, uh, situation?
0: I don't, I don't know. <laughs> maybe just, uh, maybe just an academic situation okay. in general so
1: for the, the second one. If you're, if you are a student who's uh, coming into an academic situation and looking to, you know, again, continue to expand your education and, and look at faculty opportunities. I think the biggest piece of advice I would give anyone is to really try to work on understanding how to manage your time effectively to prioritize your time and make sure that your time priorities are going towards areas that are going to advance you in your career mm. and and really seek mentorship to make sure that those priorities are are going towards what's going to advance you in your career because okay. it's really easy to get lost in the shuffle of the everyday activities because you're bombarded with all kinds of different yeah. things and it's really difficult to as a as someone starting a position who just finished a degree and started a faculty position, it was very like, I I was really awful at it. I mean, clearly. So, (laughs) um, and and hopefully I'm getting a little bit better at it now. Then the second piece of advice for just any person Um, I would say, and I was kind of thinking about this a little bit, knowing that this would be a question that we would discuss in some (laughs) respects. So, um, I think one piece of advice and I'll kind of stick to my natural turf, grass and water conservation and sustainability. If I could give one piece of advice to everyone that's managing a lawn or a landscape, it'd be to turn your irrigation controller off. (laughs) So, <laughs> I mean, good advice. I mean, we, we can water multiple times per week. You know, we can water an inch and a half of water in Lubbock. We can water mm-hmm. up to an inch and a half of water per week whenever, just basically normal times during the summer, Right. And, uh, whenever water, typical water restrictions are in place. But um, most of our grasses don't really need that much water. So, Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Right. And there are plenty of times where you don't, where the grass doesn't necessarily need it. And so if we could just be a little bit more effective at giving grass water when it needs it, that would save an incredible amount of water, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're definitely right. So just turn it on when you need it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely found some icy spots on my way into work this morning. So <laughs> people are not following that advice yet. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll hear this and turn the sprinklers. Yeah. Off. And
1: if you need help learning how to do that, then just ask someone. I mean, there's, there's plenty of people in that would gladly help with that aspect. I mean, there are plenty of irrigation stores here in Lubbock and and I'm sure Around the country, you know, there's a, there's a store Mm -hmm. where someone could go in and just say, I don't know how to do this. Can you help me do it? Yeah. Or, or, or or whatever. Learn how to do it in in that way. Yeah. Um, there's plenty of. Opportunities to get that information, I
0: think. Okay, yeah, great advice. Um, so just to wrap up, where where can people find you? Do you want people finding you? I asked that question sure. too, because uh, yeah. some people are like, no.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah so I mean, you can, uh, I think the easiest way to get in touch with me is I am pretty active on Twitter. So mm-hmm. I have a couple of different accounts. So one more work-related that I try to be a little more specific about turf-related things is at TTU Turf. So that one's that one. And then more on a personal level, like I i have had a Twitter account for a pretty good while now. <laughs> um and so that's uh Bulldog V U L L D A W G three one five five. Okay. Cool. So those are Twitter and that's probably the 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 place I am the most is right. far as responding and getting to things. So okay. um other there's not that hard to find me in other places you did though
0: so sure well and i'll also so i'll link those in the show notes and also put in the link to the uh, turf grass section yeah, on our awesome. website yeah
1: yeah that's that's another good place to find some general information about our program and what we're doing and we have a blog which i haven't been very effective at keeping <laughs> up with. but uh there's there's plenty of places to to find information out there okay so.
0: great great well joey thanks for coming in and talking i appreciate it
1: yeah thanks for having me it's been a great opportunity and can't wait to hear it all right
0: well and yeah at some point in the future this will come out (laughs) (laughs) and if you're listening to this you know when that point in the future is (laughs) thanks for listening and being involved and we will talk to you later y'all thanks so much for listening i kind of can't believe that we are almost 15 full episodes into this adventure uh Plus and bonus stuff So it's a little bit more than 15 total But y'all have stuck with it I just I so much appreciate your reviews And your comments And your feedback And just all the interactions So as always uh, Go find us on social media We are on Instagram Facebook Twitter As Planthropology. Look for the green background With the white tree And my name slapped on there somewhere uh, Also join the Anthropology's Cool Plant People Facebook group um, It's a lot of fun You need to be in it for sure Um If you would like to contribute to the podcast, uh, go hit up patreon.com slash planthropology. No pressure to do that. And again, through June, everything we get in will go to the South Plains Food Bank. You guys are the best and we will see you next week.